0: Today, I have my very first guest here on the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast. We are talking with Jen Seavey, a K-5 STEM teacher in Colorado. She is going to be sharing with you how she used the engineering design process with her students' design challenge in a day. You're going to love her creative ideas, how she taught these quick one-day lessons that are perfect if you see students once a week or if you need an extra boost in your subplans. Can't wait for you to hear this interview. I am so excited to have our first guest here on the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast, and I'm being so mindful of the people I'm having on the show to talk about their experiences, and I know that you're going to love to hear what Jen has to say. I definitely have a growing list of guests that I would love to have on the show, so this is an exciting step here on the podcast. You are the very first guest here, so this is so monumental. (laughs) So I've known Jen for about five years, and her school is only five minutes away from mine. And the students from both of our schools feed into the same middle school and high school. So I've had the pleasure of being on her STEM virtual PLC over the years. And she's definitely been a great help to me, especially when I was leaving the classroom and then transitioning into this new to me district in STEM. So I'm so excited to have you here today, Jen. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's exciting. Yeah, you're so sweet. (laughs) Well, um, just to help, I know you, and I'll probably learn more when you introduce yourself, but I know your position has evolved a lot as an educator. So just tell us about yourself and what your role has been in the past and what you teach now. Sure.
1: Well, I started out as a classroom teacher. I taught third grade for eight years, um, and then I decided to go back to get my master's. And I knew I wanted to do something Um, outside the scope of just a normal classroom. So I went ahead and got my master's in educational technology integration. Um, I did that from Boise State almost actually 10 years ago. And then while I was working on my master's, um, our principal was looking for somebody to take over the role of the technology specialist to teach technology as a specials. Um, And she asked me to do it. I was hesitant at first. I was really nervous to leave the classroom. And I I finally went ahead. She had to ask me twice. And I finally said yes. (laughs) The second time she came back asking. At first, I said no, because I just wasn't really, really unsure about doing it. Um, But it turned out to be a great decision. So I taught technology separate from STEM. We actually had five specials at that time. So we had tech and STEM as separate things. But I had always worked with the STEM teacher pretty closely. Um, We did a lot of projects where we kind of, Partnered up, um, as this, we shared students and they'd see me and then see her. So that was great. Um, and then a couple years went by and we ended up getting a bunch of money as a district, as you know, that we got to redesign our classrooms with these innovation spaces. So I got to sit um, on the committee that uh, redid the building and I got to then get moved into this amazing new space. It was right at the time where our school was shrinking a little bit and we decided to combine STEM and technology. Um, into one specials. So at that point, the teacher who had been teaching STEM, she and I kind of job shared. So she taught STEM for third through fifth, I taught STEM for K through two. And then we were actually both instructional coaches as well. And we did that for a year or two. And then we ended up, um, she went back to the classroom, and I took over STEM full time. So now I teach STEM K5. Um, I see kids for a week at a time, 45 minutes a day. And I love it. I've been doing it now. This is my third year, but my first year full time doing it was during COVID, which was crazy. But yeah, now we're back to normal and life is good. It's a good time in the STEM classroom.
0: I love how you have all these different experiences because I feel like all your experiences are like people are in one of those spaces. So I know people who teach STEM full time or they do coaching or even they're technology teachers who want to do part of STEM. So I feel like you have such like, a great well rounded experience when it comes to your teaching and being in the classroom that helps so much too. So you can see all the perspectives.
1: Yeah, for sure. I never pictured myself here when I decided to be a teacher. I thought I'd be classroom,
0: you know, till I retired. And I'm so glad that that my educational journey has taken me this way because it's super fun. Was that a hard transition to get into STEM from tech? Or was it easy for you?
1: Um, I think it was pretty, I mean, it was, it was easier moving from tech to STEM than it was from the classroom to technology, I think, um, just because I really got used to looking at what we were doing more as like a project based and, you know, shorter time periods. And really a lot of what I did in tech was similar in that we, I did use the engineering design process already. Um, just the projects were completely computer based when I was doing that.
0: Well, just shows that you're a really good teacher because you can literally teach anything, Jen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that, but (laughs) sure, we'll go with that.
0: Yeah, you could teach anything. So when I was in your classroom a couple weeks ago, because we hosted a little training together, which was so sweet and it was so fun, but you had hula hoops hanging from your ceiling. And I know everybody was asking about the hula hoops. And then you were starting to explain to me that you had Um, these engineering design process sprints. I'm like, I need to have you on this podcast. Like, I think teachers are going to love hearing about this, whether they teach STEM all five days a week, or I know a lot of STEM teachers, they only see their one class once a week. Um, So you have to tell us all about these. Where did you get the idea? Why are you doing this? Like, tell us all about it because I'm so obsessed. (laughs)
1: Well, one, actually, it kind of happened as I'd like to tell my students from a failure that I think I had last year. I had been planning all these great activities and units for my fourth graders, and it was almost halfway through the school year that had gone by. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like we have been doing a lot of computer based stuff, which, as we just talked about, is my background. Um, and I think what had happened is coming out of COVID, I, when we were in COVID, it was, I didn't do a whole lot of the hands-on because we couldn't share materials. It was a lot of computer-based stuff. Yeah. So I was kind of kicking myself. I'm like, how are my fourth graders? They've been on the computer a ton. So I was very intentional about, okay, we are going to start out the year with zero tech. Like it's going to be all hands-on, um, simple materials. What can that look like? Um, and at the same time, Last year, I had also focused on the engineering design process majorly. That was my main professional goal for the year was to really get kids interested in and understanding the different steps in the engineering design process. So funny enough, in talking to um, our PE teacher at my school, we were sharing, yeah, I know, right? We were sharing ideas and she was like, if you want kids to like learn this process you should write a song or like a chant or something that would be catchy that they could really, you know, grab a hold of. And I was like, love the idea. Also, I'm sure someone has already done that. (laughs) So I went online and I found this amazing guy named Baba Bomani. And he has written this song. It's the engineering design process. It's a rap. It's super catchy, super cute. And he goes through all the steps of the engineering design process. And then I was even more excited when I saw that he had done a music video for it with a class full of students and they have a little dance that goes with it. So for each step of the design process, there's a little dance move that goes with it. So I started teaching that to all my classes last year and I'm like, okay, so this year we're going to do a hybrid year. I'm going to start out. We're going to remind ourselves every day for a week when kids would come in. um, We would start out with the song and doing the little dance moves with it, which they love. It's so fun. Um, And then, so what I did was I'm calling the unit a design challenge in a day. And so each day we would work through all of the steps of the design process, like rapid pace, just super quick. And they would have a simple challenge that they'd have to work through. um, And they'd have to go through all the steps of thinking, you know, here's my challenge. Here's my question. I'm going to imagine it. I'm going to plan it out. I'm going to create it. I'm going to test it and then improve it. And so, yeah, it turned out really cool. The hula hoops were a major talking point. Everybody, everyone, all the kids, every grade was like, what? What's up with the hula hoops hanging from the ceiling? And I'm like, oh, it's for fourth grade, which then kids are like, oh, you know, I'm not in fourth grade yet. Or dang it, we didn't do that last year when I was in fourth grade. It was was pretty cute. Um, But the hula hoops was one of the day design challenges. And it was building a paper airplane that you could... Tossed through the hula hoop from eight feet away was ultimately the challenge.
0: Oh, that's far. Yeah,
1: it actually is far. And what I did after I was testing it, of course, because I'm like, can I even do this? (laughs) Um, I marked spots on the floor. So the first one was about three feet out. The second one was eight feet. And then the last one was about 11 feet. Um, And so kids would stand at the markers and they'd start at the three feet. And if they could successfully throw it through, then they'd back up. And, you know, the middle marker was our eight feet. So that was ultimately the goal. Um, And if they could do that, then they'd back up, which was fun. But it was really neat. And some kids had built paper airplanes before, some hadn't. So um, they could either test out their own idea or build something they've done. Or I also let them get out the iPads um, and they could search, you know, for different design ideas on iPad, which was really cool. It was chaotic and crazy, but so much fun. And you've never seen kids so excited to go back and improve their design. Than when their paper plane's not going through the hoop, -hoop. they couldn't wait to go back and fix it up. So
0: did they try different types of paper? Or did they have a specific kind? Like, were they testing how different papers flew? No,
1: they didn't. And actually, now that you say that, that's a really good idea. I just had regular old plain copy paper. But that's a really cool idea to test out like construction paper. Yeah, I'll put that on my list for next year. Because that, that'd be a really great question to see if they could figure out which kind of paper flew best also.
0: I tried paper airplanes during COVID. There was a class that went remote last minute and I thought, oh yeah, paper airplanes. Oh, it was so, it was chaotic online. I like kind of <laughs> physically helped them and I felt so bad. Like this is too hard. I'm like, it's okay guys, keep going. I don't know what else to say. You're online. I'm here. You're there. I don't know. So that's great. You could do that in person with the kids.
1: For sure. For sure. It's crazy the things you don't think about that they need direct instruction on, like how to make a tight crease on paper, right? Mm -hmm. These things pop up and you have to be ready. It's a
0: good life skill. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) So did each grade, so you said fourth grade, did the paper airplanes, did each grade each day have different challenges or did you overlap any of them or did you do different?
1: Yeah. So it was just fourth grade that worked their way through this. The other grades were still doing engineering design process stuff, but the design sprints were just for fourth grade. The fifth graders, I felt like had a pretty good handle on it. Plus I was starting out with 3D printing for them just for ease of getting things printed throughout the year. And I did focus on the engineering design process with every grade. So every grade did start out with their little song and dance each day. But fourth grade, I just focused on primarily because I wanted to be very intentional knowing that I felt like, you know, that was an area that I had lacked in the year before. Um, wanting to make sure I was super intentional with fourth grade, getting hands on and building things. So each day, fourth grade had a different challenge.
0: Okay. So they had airplanes and then what were the other ones that they did? So, um, let's see. So one day
1: they had the, um, let's see, we started out with the paper airplanes. There was a day where they got to come in and build, um, a building, using only paper and masking tape that had to withstand a fan being blown directly on it. And that one was hilarious too. And, and really it was cool. And the things that popped up were great because the conversations we had, I think really helped with some critical thinking because there were some groups that were building things and other groups were like, well, that's not a building. Like that's just a pile of paper all balled up. Right. So then we had to get into, okay, well, how are we defining what's a building in this situation? They had. I had one that was to build the longest paper chain. You know, when you cut strips of yeah. paper and loop them together, the longest paper chain using only a single sheet of construction paper. That was one of my other favorites because, well, the paper planes were an individual type thing. This was a group effort, and I made sure to focus on that as it was more collaborative, um, and it was really cool to watch the kids have to figure out. Okay a lot of them would split into, you're going to be the cutter, you're going to be the taper, I'm going to be like in charge of you all, <laughs> or whatever they would do. Um, so the collaboration part was really cool to see as well. And also their strategies. And so it's fun to make sure, you know, I would always give them the planning part was really fast. It wasn't anything that was in depth every day, because we didn't have a ton of time. Uh, most days, the planning phase was just I'm going to set a timer for three minutes and you're going to talk to the people in your group that whole time. What's your strategy, right? Come up with your plan. So yeah, that was fun. We also did a cup stacking. So they had 20 plastic cups and they had to build the tallest tower that they could. So a little bit of friendly competition there with that one and the paper chain. So that was pretty fun.
0: I love that. Those are really good. And in a way, you you were teaching the four C's along with The engineering design. So you really had a creativity day with the buildings. Like maybe let's, yeah, here's what a building could look like. That's a little bit of the A too. Like buildings can look ugly, but if they are more beautiful, people really like them. (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) So you really had a lot of those four C's. And I love how you talked about too with the planning, how you had kids talk about planning, because I think teachers think planning always has to be drawing and labeling, which is important. But it just depends on the day. And I actually talked about that in one of our past episodes, it's all about planning for the engineering design. And that's one of the ways like I definitely have done that like kids talking through it and verbalizing because that's an important skill. Also, like being able to articulate your thoughts. And you might not have paper in front of you. So how can you explain it in a way that would make sense. So that's really good that you did that with your kids.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it turned out it turned out really well. It's really neat to see, especially again coming back from COVID. I don't know if you've noticed this, but one thing I've seen with my students for sure is they're struggling a little bit to be able to collaborate and work together. I mean, I'm direct instruction. What, what am I trying to say? I'm giving direct instructions on how to work with a partner. Like this is how you take turns. This is how when there's a disagreement, how you can talk it out and figure out you know how you're going to move forward. Um, So it was good to have them working in the groups like that where they
0: got that practice. Oh, yeah, we're definitely like we teach all these cool skills, but really stem when it comes down to it, we're all about those soft skills, like the tools are going to change you use paper and tape, and the kids were super engaged. But really, they're working on like the skills that are going to carry them throughout life. And I yeah, I have seen the same thing, like being very intentional about how to talk to each other. And What is appropriate and not appropriate? Like we don't just say, help me, help me, help me. Like, what do you specifically need help with? So yeah, all those communication skills are so important, especially when they're face to face. It's like, whoa, so much happened like (laughs) the past couple of years. Like, I'm so glad you're at school because we can definitely work through these things together. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
1: I was going to say the competition aspect of it led to a lot of good reflections from kids too. Uh, like when we did the paper chain, we I would come back and we would, there's a clear winner there. One of those changes going to be longer than everyone else's. And it was still great to honor everybody's process and talk through, okay, so each group, you know, would share individually, what did you do that you found worked well? And what did you find that maybe hindered your progress? So it was neat to see that. And honestly, having a table group that had been the quote, winner's, it was neat to see everybody really listen to that table. I feel like more than anybody else. And they were willing to hear it, right? Instead of like, oh, you got the quote wrong answer. I'm going to show you the correct way to do it. It was, oh, here's the strategies that our group, you know, used that worked really well for us. So it was awesome to see the respect and the listening happening for each other, too.
0: That's really good. Were kids frustrated when, since the time was shorter, were they frustrated like, oh, I didn't get enough time? Like, were there any kids? complaining about that or were they okay with it?
1: They were okay with it. Most days with the paper chains, I think I gave them about 20 minutes, which is a long time, but most groups still could have produced more after that time. But I'm also famous for, I will put up on our projector. I just will go to YouTube and type in like 20 minute timer. And there's crazy, I don't know if you ever do that. There's crazy timers out there. There's some that look like little bombs going to explode when the timer goes off. Some of them are happy and cheerful, whatever. But I always put one up on my whiteboard and it's huge. And so there's no question that they know exactly how much time they have left. Um, So then that really kind of put a kibosh on anybody. You know, I need more time. I never got any of that because they knew exactly how much time they had the entire time.
0: Okay, good. Because, yeah, I get kids who I use a timer also. (laughs) And even when I'm all, it's clean up time. Like, but I need more. I'm like, you have to leave. You're not here forever. I know, (laughs) Um, My favorite classroom screen. Have you used classroom screen? You showed that to me last year. Yes, I have used that where you can have it on there at the same time, right? Yeah. I get scared of the YouTube ones because sometimes I don't personally like the sound. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> and so I get scared. and Oh my gosh, I'm like really startled. And then the kids start laughing at me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've learned which ones have crazy alarms at the end. And I usually just will run up to the computer and pause it right when it has one second left. So they know, but then there hasn't been some crazy siren blaring in their ears because <laughs> nobody likes that.
0: <laughs> so how did you get the ideas for these challenges? Were there specific resources you used or were they lessons you've done in the past that you pulled out? Because these would make good STEM, plan- STEM sub plans for teachers too, if they're looking for things to do in a day.
1: That's actually a really good point. I hadn't thought about that either. Making it a little emergency, you know, everybody, every teacher should have a binder, that folder that sub can pull out when you know, something happens and you don't have the capacity to write those awesome plans. Um, no, I actually just went online and was just, I searched around for what are some ideas and then I modified some of the ones that were there. Yeah. And then also, of course, looking for materials that I had plenty of on hand because some of them would be, you know, they were, they were simple paper and tape got plenty of that plastic cups. Yes, please. <laughs> like, easy to do.
0: I think that's so good for the kids to see that too, that you can create complicated things out of very limited materials which is such a good way to start off the year because it's not all robots. It's not all coding. Mm -hmm. You can use paper and tape and create the longest or glue. I don't know if you use tape or glue, but you can create a giant chain out of two things. Right.
1: Yep. Absolutely. And it was cool to see. I mean, again, back to those little skills, like the folding of paper, I have perfected the art of teaching children how to tear tape uh, because they would say, well, we get paper and tape. What about scissors? I'm like, Scissors, there's, those aren't on our supply list. Well, how are we supposed to cut the tape? And I'm like, you're not, you're supposed to tear it. So I have completely perfected how, to, if you ever need advice on how to teach kids to tear tape, I'm your girl. <laughs> well,
0: what do you say? Yeah, what do you say to that? What's your advice? You're, you're leaving me hanging.
1: I know, right? You pinch <laughs> it with both both hands. And then after you're pinching it, one hand goes forward, one hand goes backwards. Done. I mean, as long as it's masking tape, it'll rip very oh. easily. So we even practice in the air. One hand goes forward, one hand goes backwards.
0: Okay. I'm going to use that. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> skill. <laughs> I mean, it's a silly thing, right?
1: But it really can be cumbersome with kids trying to use tape when they're trying to cut it and it's getting all stuck and all over. I mean, it's those quick little things that makes life more manageable for sure.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. It's good. It's a good, all these things. This I love all of this and just all the little skills that you're teaching kids. This is so so applicable. And I know teachers are going to be so excited to try at least one, if not all of these challenges. And we'll definitely have to make sure to link these challenges in the show notes for teachers or list out the ideas so they can definitely do that in their classroom. But yeah. I appreciate you being here so much. Where can people connect with you if they have any questions? Can they send you an email? Where would you like them to reach out?
1: Yeah, email's probably the best for sure. Uh, My email is jcv, and it's S-E-V-Y at cherrycreekschools.org.
0: Perfect. And we'll link that for people as well. So if they're driving, they don't have to um, scramble and write that down. But thank you so much for your time. You're our great first guest, the first ever on the podcast. So this is monumental.
1: Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Well, thanks for having me.
0: Yes, of course. We'll have to have you back because you're like full of ideas and I could just talk to you all day. Well, thank you so much again. I'll chat with you soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast. I would love to connect with you over on Instagram at Naomi Meredith underscore or send me an email to podcast at gmail.com. Also, make sure to check out my website, Naomi to see all the show notes from today's episode and shop my K-5 STEM resources. Any questions you have, needs for resources or ideas for episodes, get in touch. I'll talk to you soon.